If you have your Bibles here uh, this morning, I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And today we're going to be talking about the blessed man. Somebody say the blessed man. The blessed man. Psalm 1. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together and to uh, study your word. Father, we want to serve you with our heart, with our head, with our hands, and with our feet. Father, we've already been worshiping and praising you and entering in with our, with our heart. But Father, as now as we come before you with your word, as we begin to study your word together, we've, we want to honor you with our, also with our head, with our thoughts, with our thinking, and uh, in addition to our heart. Father, we thank you for all of these that are here serving in many different capacities. That's, that is uh, serving you with their hands. And God, I pray that this will be an equipping center that will equip the people that are here that can go out and uh, serve you with their feet and carry the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. Father, right now as we enter into this time of, of worship with uh, the study of your word, the preaching of your word, I pray that you open our eyes, that we may see wondrous things in your word. Give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. And Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Psalms, and we'll start with Psalm 1. It says, Blessed. Blessed is the man. Look at somebody and say, blessed is the man who? Look at somebody else and say, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow. So we see here the blessed man. Verse 1, we see the blessed man's path. We see the blessed man's path. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way or of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So we see the blessed man's path. In verse 2, we see the blessed man's pleasure. For it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And then in verse 3, we see the blessed man's prosperity. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The blessed man. The blessed man's path. The blessed man's pleasure. And the blessed man's prosperity. Blessed. How many of you know you're blessed here this morning? 
Does anybody know you're blessed? According to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, hath blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So notice that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us, past tense, with all spiritual blessings. You can look up that word all in the Greek. You know what it means? All. So notice here that God Almighty has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According to Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, that the blessing of Abraham, come on somebody, might come on the Gentiles, which is us, through who? Jesus Christ. So notice here that Abraham's blessing belongs to you. And Abraham's blessing belongs to me through Christ Jesus. So Ephesians 1, 3, God has already blessed us with all, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And according to Galatians chapter 3, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed us with the blessing of Abraham. So uh, people will say, God bless me. I want God to bless me. Pray, preacher, that God will bless me. But I've come to let you know this morning that you're already blessed. You've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You have been blessed with the blessing of Abraham. So when you woke up this morning, you were blessed. When you poured those Cheerios in your bowl, you were blessed. When you put that fix-a-dent on those dentures, before you put them in your mouth, you were blessed. When you came in here, you were blessed. And when you go out of here, you're going to be blessed. Can somebody say amen? And that is why Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world because they're the most blessed people in the world. Do you realize that? We ought to be the happiest people in the world because we are the most blessed people in the world. Because you're saved. Because you're born again. God has given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Because you're a Christian and because you know the Lord Jesus and He lives within you, you now have Abraham's blessing upon your life. Aren't you glad that Abraham's blessing just didn't go to the Jewish folks? Aren't you glad that Abraham's blessing just didn't go to the Israelites? But it's said here, because of Jesus, Abraham's blessing has been poured out upon the Gentiles. That means you and that means me. And if you look at the Jewish people, they're blessed. It seems like everything they do, they're blessed. They start a business, they're blessed. They fight a war, they're blessed. 
Uh, uh, they, they go into, into science, they're blessed. They, it seems like uh, in business, they're blessed. It doesn't matter. It seems like with, in, in every area of their life and with every area that they enter into, they are blessed. But I've come to let you know that Christians are the most blessed people in the entire world because not only do we have Abraham's blessing, but it says that every spiritual blessing belongs to you and, to, and belongs to me. So Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world because they are the most blessed people in the world. Can somebody say amen in the house? Now, what does that mean? Too many Christians are walking around looking like they just kissed their mother-in-law. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You see them there. <laughs> but when you realize just truly how blessed we are, we ought to put a big smile on our face so big we can lose a coat hanger in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you truly realize how blessed we are, we ought to smile so big we can lose a coat hanger in it. There ought to be an extra pep to our step when we realize how blessed we are because you've been saved from the guttermost to the uttermost. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Abraham's blessing belongs to you and you're too blessed to be stressed. So we got to understand here, we are a blessed people, and because of that, we ought to be the most, the happiest people in the entire world. Can somebody say amen? Now, people will say, if we're so blessed, then why am I not seeing it in my life? If it's true that Abraham's blessing belongs to me, then why, Brother Jimmy, am I not seeing it? If it's true that God has already blessed me with all spiritual blessings, then why am I not experiencing it in my life? Is, is anybody going to be just real and raise your hand and say, I've been there a time or two in my life? And we talk about all this blessing we have. Well, Brother Jimmy, why am I not seeing it? And, and it, it brings me to a passage of Scripture in Obadiah. Obadiah, there's one chapter in Obadiah, but verse 17 says this. It says, upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Wow. That the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. That the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Now, immediately you think, if it's your possession, you possess it. So if I already possess it, why do I have to possess my possessions? Are you with me? So we have to understand something here. That it's very similar to Israel in the promised land. In the promised land, did God say, I have already given you the land? Did the land belong to them? Absolutely. Was the land their possession? God had already given it to them. He said so in numbers. But what was required of them? 
They had to possess. I wish I had somebody help me preach this morning. They had to possess their possession. And when we go into the New Testament and we see that God has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, how many of you know all is all and those are our possessions? Okay? When you read in Galatians where God has already blessed us with Abraham's blessing, then all of that blessing is our possession because God's already given it to us. He's already blessed us with that. So why are we not experiencing it? And many times it's because we're not possessing. I wish I had somebody to help me preach. We're not possessing our possessions. So it doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, all of us have been blessed with Abraham's blessing. How many of you believe that if you're a Christian? If you're a Christian, God has already given you, uh, uh, he's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. If you're a Christian, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for, for five seconds or for 50 years. Are you with me? That's your possessions. That's, that's, what, that's your possession. But you still have to possess your possessions. Even as Israel had to possess the promised land that God had already given to them. How many of you realize that there is a, a whole lot of people that never possessed their possessions? Am I right? But there were some who did. The blessed did. Now, with that being said, I want you to know the same is true of us, that God has blessed us abundantly and we simply need to possess our possessions. We have to possess what already belongs to us. So, what does that have to do with Psalm 1? I'm glad you asked. Because now we're going to see how to possess our possessions. So let's go back here to Psalm 1. Notice here it says blessed. Somebody say blessed. Now the word blessed here is in the plural, in the original language. It's not in the singular. It's in the plural. And so uh, actually it says this in the original. It says happy, happy is the man. Or all oh, the happinesses of the man. Because the word is too big just to say well one word. Some of you have an amplified version and they have uh, uh, expanded on that word. It says blessed and then it says happy, fortunate, enviable, and prosperous. How many of you have seen that? Why is it that they're, in, they're using four words to describe one word? Because all of these other four words are included in the definition of that one word. And so all of those you see all of those in the Hebrew word for blessed. So the word blessed here is not in the singular. It's in the plural. And aren't you glad that God doesn't dole out his blessings one at a time? But he's a generous God. And he pours them out in abundance. It's in the plural. Blessed. Happy, happy is the man. All the happinesses of the man. So Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world 
Because we're the most blessed people in the world. Happy, happy is the man. All the happiness says of the man. And I've come to let you know that you're too blessed to be stressed, that God has been uh, abundantly blessed you, and so as a result of that, we ought to be happy, happy. We ought to be happy, happy. Look at somebody and say, you ought to be happy, happy. You know, you remember that, that old commercial said, hefty, hefty. Talking about those trash bags, y'all remember that? Hefty, hefty. Well, you need to look at somebody and say, happy, happy. I'm happy because of the goodness of God on my life. I choose to be happy. Well, now people will say, so now, now hold up, Brother Jimmy, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Well, uh, happiness is based on happenings. So if your happenings are right, then you can be happy. The Bible says happy, happy is the man, or all the happiness is of the man who does something, who possesses his possessions. There's something here that we're going to see in the text that enables us to possess the possessions. Okay? Because I want to see everybody fulfilling everything that God has for them. I want to see every Christian possessing every possession that God has for them. Is there anybody like that here in the house? We have all these possessions, but what's our job? We are to possess our possessions just as Israel had to possess the possession of the promised land that God had given them. So you can parallel some of that with the book of Ephesians. Okay? So, uh, but we see here this blessed, plural. So, uh, so it's too big of a word just to say with, with, with one word. Now, I said all of that to say this. We've talked about the blessing of Abraham. We've talked about all spiritual blessings. But how can we possess our possessions. You with me? Psalm 1 tells us how. Look, blessed is the man, blessed is the man, some translation says blessed is the man who, but I want you to notice it's in the King James it says blessed is the man. Definite article, the. So it's talking about a particular man, a specific man. And it says, blessed is the man that or who. So happy, happy is the man that. Or happy, happy is the man who. Or oh, the happiness is of the man that. Or happy, fortunate, enviable, and prosperous is the man that. Because of this definite article, the, it tells us that the writer is talking about a certain kind of man that possesses his possessions. Now, that's why he's happy. So let's get into it. What do we see about this blessed man that makes him so happy, happy? 
What do we see here? Number one, we see the blessed man's path. Somebody say the blessed man's path. Notice what the text says. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So immediately we see the blessed man's path. So we're talking here about a certain type of man. And notice here, the blessed man is first characterized by what he does not do. Many times we'll say, oh, let's just start with the positive. Let's just start with the positive. God starts with a negative. He said the blessed man is blessed because, number one, of what he does not do. Now, what did it say that he does not do? It says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, let's break this down. The word walk in Hebrew metaphorically means to go along with, to follow a course of action. So blessed, happy, happy is the man who walketh not, okay, who, who doesn't go along with or follows the course of, the, uh, of action of who? Of the ungodly. So number one, we see here that they don't go along with the world and they don't do what the world does. Well, Brother Jimmy, I believe happy is based upon my happenings. Okay? Well, I'm telling you, you start doing it God's way and your happenings, come on, is going to start aligning to where it can bring you some happiness. When you do it God's way instead of the world's way, your happenings begin to align themselves with God's plan for your life. How many of you realize that God desires to do you good and not evil? He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, NIV, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, we're just singing about a generous God. Now, if we truly believed it, we probably would have started the Jericho march. If we truly believed it, we probably just would have run up and down the aisles. If we truly believed it. But I've come to let you know you're serving a generous God who gives good gifts to his kids. And God has a good plan for us. I know the plans. God has plans for each and every one of you. Did you realize that? God has plans for each and every one of you. Each and every one of us. And what are those plans? He said, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. God's not out to hurt you. How many of you believe that? God's not out to get you. I remember growing up, man, if you did the least little bitty thing wrong, I mean, God would cut your arm off. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, if you failed to tithe, God would pluck your eyes out. He'd burn your house down. He'd take your second and your third child. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But God is a good God, and He's got good plans, and the plans are not to harm you. 
He said, I have plans for you. And my plans are not to harm you, but to, give, but to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. And so the more that we align ourselves with the Word of God and not the world. See, Jesus said that, that the thief cometh not before to what? To, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But He said, I'm come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. So God's plan for your life is a whole lot better than the devil's plan. So why are you going to follow the devil's plan of action? Why are you going to follow the devil's counsel? Why are you going to follow the devil's advice that's only going to lead you to death and dissatisfaction when you can follow God's plan and it leads you to life and life more abundantly. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? So walk. They don't, the blessed man whose happenings begin to align more so with happiness. They don't follow the counsel. They don't go along with the counsel of the ungodly. So, so they're, not, they're not going along with what the world is doing. How many of you know a lot of marriages have ended because of a little, uh, like a bad diet? A lot of marriages have ended like a bad diet because of a little dish on the side. Right? And so they think the world's view is just, just do it. Just do whatever you want to do. Just live however you want to live. You know, uh, uh, this will make you happy. And so you get out there and you begin to do it. And then you realize that there's something missing here and you become miserable because you realize that, there, that, that, that sin brings ultimate death. And so why are we going to go along with the devil's philosophy when we can get it right the first time simply by going along with what God has to say? Now, it says you don't walk in the council. The word council... It uh, means a viewpoint or a way of thinking. So, uh, in other words, you can't think like the world. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to renew your mind. You can't think like the world. James said that the wisdom of the world is sensual and devilish. That's why those of us in leadership need to be very cautious whenever we read a secular leadership book or a secular business book. Because I've seen numerous books. The 48 Laws of Power. And you look at the first law, and you can see that immediately. It's sensual and devilish. You can look at all the different laws of the world, and you can see uh, where a lot of these laws are sensual, and a lot of these laws are devilish. And that's what James said. He said the wisdom of the world is sensual and devilish. So that's why we don't follow the count. You, you've got to guard your gates. In the Old Testament, they were constantly guarding the gate, wasn't they? Why? Because they knew that if the wrong person entered the gate, then there could be a lot of trouble and heartache. So they guarded the gates. Well, we today need to guard our gates. We need to guard the eye gate. You got to be careful what you're watching on television. 
You need to guard the ear gate. You need to be careful and cautious of what you're listening to. Right? we got to guard the gates. Because what will happen is the wrong philosophies and the wrong wisdom and the wrong ideas will infiltrate our gates. And then it will begin to attack our mind. And what you do is the result of what you think. For as a man thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. So the devil wants to get into your mind. So that way he can control your happenings. But I want to know if there's anybody in here with a renewed mind. Anybody that has renewed your mind to the Word of God? Anybody that will raise your hand and say, hey, I've experienced all of that junk that the devil has to offer, and I can testify here this morning that it doesn't bring joy, it doesn't bring happiness, it doesn't bring contentment. All it brings is death, all it brings is sorrow, all it brings is shame. I don't want to do it the devil's way anymore. I want to do it God's way. And so we don't follow, we don't walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. Now, the ungodly has carries two thoughts with it. Number one, loose with reference to morals, without godly restraint or controls. In other words, if it feels good, just go ahead and do it. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. That's the world's way. Loose with reference to morals, without godly restraint or controls. And then secondly, negative toward God, without Him as an anchor. Or a controlling factor. We need God as an anchor. As a controlling factor in our lives. Because if not, we'll just be blown about by every sensual lust. We'll be blown about by every wind of doctrine. And so we've got to get in the Word because we need God as an anchor to hold us in place when all hell is breaking loose around us. When all the storms of life are crashing against us. And if we didn't have the anchor, our boat would wind up over here, our boat would wind up over there, our boat would wind up on the rocks. But because of Jesus, we have an anchor that will keep us steady And that will keep us fixed despite all of the storms that may come. You may face your Rockladon, but the reason why that Paul could stand up and say, be of good cheer, is because he had God as an anchor in his life. And we need God as an anchor. So, let's put it all together here. The blessed man does not go along with and follow the viewpoint and the way of thinking of those who are guided and controlled by their own desires, emotions, and impulses rather than by the Word of God. Wow. So in other words, don't expect to soar with the eagles on Sunday morning when you've been running with the turkeys on Saturday night. Don't fall prey to the devil's stinking thinking. Get in the Word. Let God be your anchor. Let God be your guide. Let God be your controlling factor. Because as the old song says, the anchor 
still holds. Can somebody say amen in the house of God? So, if happiness is based on happenings, when God is your anchor, and when he's the controlling factor of your life, then your happenings will produce more happiness. Let me say it again. When God is your anchor, and when he's the controlling factor of your life, how many of you know you choose your own attitude? You choose your own attitude. You ever seen people just act stupid? Somebody says something to them and they go ballistic and act stupid. Well, what are you doing that? Because they said this to me. So, so you lost all control just because of what somebody said to you. Right? Whenever you go through something, look at ERO. Event, response, outcome. You have an event that happens in your life. And we all go through events. Immediately what we do is go immediately to response. That's not what we need to do. What we need to do is immediately go to outcome. What's the outcome that we want to experience here? What's the end result that we want to experience here? And when we have an event, you don't immediately respond. You immediately go to outcome. So that way you can determine what's the outcome I want here and let that outcome determine your response. When God's your anchor, when He's your controlling factor, your happenings will begin to produce more happiness in your life because you're getting away from the death and the destruction that God has for you. Man, we could go on forever here. These guys getting their eyes on some Pretty young thing, repeat after me. You know, getting their eyes on some pretty young thing over here. When, you know, it's just like this. Oh God, I want Shaniqua. God, I want Shaniqua. God, give me Shaniqua. No, God, I got to have Shaniqua. Well, then I get Shaniqua and I say, God, take Shaniqua. Just take her, Jesus. Just take her away. Calgon, take me away. Because many times when we pray, we pray with an idol in our heart. Then we get a tainted word. Because it was filtered through the idol that we had in our heart. Y'all know what, come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. God, is it your will that I marry her? God, is it your will that I marry him? You already made up your mind you want her. You've already made up your mind you want him. God, is it your will? What we do many times is we've already got the desire there of what we want. And so what we're just trying to do is get God to back up whatever we've whipped up. Right? That's why when we go to God in prayer, we need to go to God in neutral without our mind already made up. Say, God, give us your wisdom and give me what I need. Give me what I need. You know what I need. Give me what I need. 
And when we do that, we align ourselves to where we don't get a tainted word because of an idol that we have put in our heart. Wow. Now, so we don't follow the counsel of the ungodly. This reminds me of uh, a few years back, in fact, 26 years ago, when I was young evangelist preaching, Melissa and I got married. And so I had a painting business because I would go places to preach and I might be there all week. They might give me a hundred dollars. So I didn't know if it was because the people just didn't have any money or if I was that poor of a preacher. But how many of you realize you can't do much with a hundred bucks? So I remember on the way home, Melissa would always say, you know, she, she never panicked. She never, you know, got mad, screaming, hollering, what are we going to do? This always cool, calm, and collected. And she said, uh, well, we've got bills due this week. So uh, $100 not going to pay for them. So what are we going to do? And in every instance that that happened in my life, every instance, I can tell you, I went home, there was a, there was a, 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 I had in my answering machine, there would always be a message that said, you know, I've never met you, but I heard you're a painter. And I'd like for you to come and give me a bid and an estimate on painting my house. And God has always provided for every need. Every need. How many of you realize God is your source, not Barack Obama or not Donald J. Trump? God Almighty is your source. He is your source of supply. Well, one time, I was in a situation like that, and I went over to a lady's house, Mrs. Leach. I should have just known right there I needed to run from that place. Leach, Mrs. Leach. So I, I bid her house, and so she, I mean, she, she was a, a widow. She had a brand new Lincoln town car in a garage, lived in this palatial place, and so, uh, and she was a widow, her husband had died, and so I went and gave her a bid on the house, and, and so I had this guy that was twice my age who worked for me, and so here I brought him uh, on, and we prepped the house, we did an amazing job on the house, and the bottom line is the woman beat me out of $500. Beat me out of $500. So I called her. Just to say, you know, if there's an issue, if there's a problem, you know, we can fix it. You know, if there's some type of financial difficulty, could you please sell your town car and pay me? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. But I was just wanting to work it out because I needed the money. Because here I'm traveling all over the country serving Jesus, preaching. And now I've got bills to pay and, it's, and the devil's trying to beat me out of 500 bucks. She said this. She said, don't you ever call me again. If you do, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to get a restraining order on you. Wow. So I said, okay. Hung the phone up. I was telling my brothers about it. You have to just know my brothers. David, the big songwriter and all that, he was cool, calm and collected, listening to me. But then there's Jackie. Okay. Jackie's the fighter of the group, okay? He wasn't serving Jesus at all, okay? 
And so here I told my brothers, was talking, I told them what happened. So Jackie chimed in. I tell you what I'd do. I'd go get me some paint remover and I'd take my paint back off that house. That's what I'd do. And he said, and in fact, what I'd do is I'd go ahead and give her a free brand new paint job on that Lincoln Town car that she's got in the garage. That's what I'd do. You know what? And you get tempted to, well, maybe that's what I need to do. If I didn't have an anchor, I didn't have an anchor. Because when, when you need money, somebody's beating you out of money, you want to beat something out of them. But because you have an anchor, I looked at Jackie and I said, Jack, I'm a man of God. I can't do that. Can you just imagine Texarkana Gazette front page the day after preacher goes over and paints woman's town car. Preacher thrown in jail. I mean, what's that going to do for Jesus? So I said, I'm a minister, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and I can't do that, Jack. I said, the Bible says not to render evil for evil. No railing for railing. But contrary wise, blessing. That you may be blessed. Let me say it again. Don't render evil for evil. The world fights that way. The world does that. Railing for railing. You call me a name, I'm going to call you horse face. And I respect the office of president. And I speak at Republican events. I respect the office of president. Whether they're a Democrat or whether they are a Republican. I respect the office. But that doesn't mean I totally necessarily agree with everything either one of them does. And I think there's, there's been so much volatility in America, we can't even work together to get anything done. If we'd just start acting like Jesus, maybe we could get something done in America. Are you with me? So I said, Jack, I can't do that because I'm a man of God. And the Bible said, my anchor says not to render evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, so that you may inherit a blessing. He just looked at me because he knew I was right. But that didn't pay my bills. So what's the end of the story? Melissa and I went on a Wednesday night to Little Assembly of God with my brother Gene and his wife just to go to church on Wednesday night, just to visit with him. Pastor's wife knew we sang, told the pastor, get those kids up there to sing. I want to hear them sing. So we got up there and we sang there's a miracle in the making. 
Don't make me run around this building, y'all. In boots, it's going to be harder. It's going to be harder. I didn't bring my Nikes. But we got up there and we sang, there's a miracle in the making. One just for you. The Father is working even now. Your prayer has been heard. And the answer is on the way. There's a miracle in the making for you today. Little did we know we were prophesying to ourselves. Because as soon as we stepped off the stage, as soon as my foot left the last step, the pastor's wife sprung up and she said, Pastor! The Holy Ghost just told me that we need to take up these kids an offering. And they took up that offering. And you know how much it was? $500. What are you saying? I'm saying I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You go ahead and you allow God's word to be your anchor. God's got a possession for you. I said God's got possessions for you, but you're going to have to do it his way to possess it. You're going to have to do it his way. If I had done what the counsel of the ungodly said, I would have never got that $500. I would have been paying another $500 to get out of jail. See, that's the devil's business. He wants to get you down and keep on kicking. <clears throat> when you, how many of you say, I've been kicked enough? I've been kicked enough. I've been stomped on enough. I ain't going to be kicked on no more. I ain't going to be stomped anymore because I'm making up my mind I ain't going to do it the devil's way anymore. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it God's way. And you know what happened? You know what happened? We left there happy, happy. We left there happy, happy. Smiling so big. Created a memory that 26 years later I'm sharing with you. I don't know what any of you are going through here today. But I do know this. There's always somebody chiming up in your ear. Whether it's a friend, a relative, whether it's the television, or whether whatever it is, there's always somebody chiming up in your way to try to get you to follow the devil's counsel. But I'm telling you, if you say no to that, let God's Word be your anchor, and let God's Word be your guide, and let God's Word be your controlling factor, then you'll experience the happy, happy that God has for your life.